This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dockin and Tim Prati will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today, it is July 10th, back from the 4th. Hope it was a good week. Uh, the market right now is trying to rebound from last week's loss. Uh, Dow's up as we stand this afternoon, a little up 150 points. VIX is still sitting at 15.15, 10 years right about four. Um, but yeah, I mean, Treasury yields have kind of fallen a little bit as investors look into key economic data. So let's let's open it up, Tim. What are we seeing? Well, this week is going to be all about Fed speak and CPI, and the Fed speak is pretty predictable, right? I mean, the 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 Fed funds futures are now baking in, I think, around a ninety percent uh, likelihood of a hike here in July. Uh, we're starting to price in uh, a hike uh, and one more hike by the end of the year before November. Uh, so that's you know, the, July is going to happen, and then they'll be data dependent after that we'll see and then we get cpi this week what's interesting about the cpi print is not really what the print is going to look like this week but what it looks like going forward because this is the last month of really uh high comparisons where you know the 20 june 2022 was super high so you get a little bit of, of an easy compare no matter how you think about it and then and then they get tougher again so the thinking is that uh, CPI is going to, while it's come down quite a bit, it's going to flatten out because of the base effects. And then looking out a little further, CPI is going to flatten out because you've gotten through the easy part. You've gotten through the deflation in freight, the disinflation in freight, the disinflation in goods. And now we've just are left with nominal growth that is too strong because nominal wages uh, are still too strong. Uh, and that's what the that's what the Fed is going to be dealing with, and and I don't think this CPI print this month is really going to change anybody's mind. I mean, you were you were mentioning uh, contradictions. Just to go into one in particular, I found yeah. was interesting is that the wages are too strong, and then the other contradictory side is that strong wages are obviously good for the economy. So yeah, I mean, what do you make of this? What's the Goldilocks here? <laughs> what is Goldilocks? Uh, let's see. Goldilocks is probably that the Fed engineers a very light uh, recession. Uh, we come out of a recession uh, still with a relatively tight job market. Uh, the Fed gets comfortable with the idea that inflation is going to run, you know, not at 2%, but something closer to maybe a 25 3% number. And uh, you continue on with having wage growth in, you know, weaker than it is now, weaker than the kind of six, six and a half percent that it's running at now. Maybe it runs at four percent or so. So I, th I think you could have that would be the Goldilocks in terms of wages and inflation, uh, that you have wages running a little bit ahead of inflation and the Fed getting comfortable with the idea that, OK, maybe two and a half, three percent is kind of the type of inflation we'd have to live with. So we had. Two private sector jobs reports this past week. We had the ADP uh, showing that private sector jobs surged 497,000 for the month, and that annual pay was rising, as you said, right about six and a half, six point four. Um, but then we had the non-farm payroll job that was far more, I guess, less of a cheery number. So, what do we make about the discrepancy about where they stand? 
Yeah, I mean, the the two numbers don't really correlate. ADP um, seems to have some issues with June. Uh, they had a spiky number last year in June. Um, you know, look, employment is still too strong, and mm. it's slowing incredibly slowly. Uh, you know, average hourly earnings actually came in uh, a little bit stronger uh, than the Fed would have liked. Hours worked came in a little bit stronger. The household number, uh, which people like to argue catches inflection points better, has held up. So, and you know, while uh, initial claims have been moving up, continuing claims haven't really been moving up. So, you know, the, the very simple take is that the economy is still hot. Wage growth is still too strong. The Fed's got more work to do. Uh, that's that, that it really is the simple take. Things are slowing a little bit. The jolts, the job openings number was down a little bit, but you saw quits move up too. So when quits moves up, that tells you that people feel really good about their ability to get another job making more money. Yeah. And that was, that's another thing that the ADP data told you is that, that job leavers, uh, are, get, are seeing double digit increases uh, and one thing to remember about jobs is that we're still below where we were pre-pandemic on the leisure side. And that is where the strongest wage gains are. And even if we do go into a bit of a recession here, and I suspect we will over time, predicting the timing of that is pretty impossible, obviously, um, you're not going to see meaningful job losses in, in leisure and hospitality. Now, restaurants are slowing. You know, restaurant, NapTrack data, Barry Nap, uh, not Barry Nap, but the NapTrack data uh, has shown weakness, and you're starting to see some weakness even in restaurant uh, jobs. But the key is that construction jobs haven't come down yet. Housing remains obviously way too strong. We've talked about the golden handcuffs and housing and the lack of supply. But the other part of construction, which has been absolutely off the charts and we can come back to this later because we're i know we're going to talk a little bit about manufacturing is in construction manufacturing it's basically the lags of the ira the chips act and the other infrastructure money where you've got you know that that 10 trillion dollars of stimulus of both fiscal and, and and monetary some of that is still flowing through and where you see it flowing through in spades is in construction of uh, manufacturing facilities largely in electronics and, and around the support of what's going on with the build, rebuilding of semi-manufacturing in the United States. And I think the bulk work of the IRA hasn't been spent yet either, especially in the green you know, tech spends. So, you know, yeah. I, I wrote about this the other day, like there's long and variable lags to monetary policy, but there's long and variable lags to this fiscal policy. And, you know, the 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 Austrians, so to speak, the libertarian, the economic libertarians of the world don't like it, don't like to see this much government money coming in to subsidize an industry. But if you think about it from a uh, sort of a, um, a national security point of view in a competitive world with China, um, I don't really see that we had a lot of choice. Um, and I, and I think it is a really incredibly successful public private partnership. So it's government spending money, but it's stimulating private investment as well. And that's a good thing. So university of Michigan consumer confidence came in very strong at the end of the June, um, inflation expectations are at more than a two year low, uh, sentiment index climbed to 64.4 based on a preliminary rating of 63.9. So rebound from May. One of the interesting things I'll think though is 
with the Supreme Court decision to strike down student loan forgiveness, mm -hmm. what does that mean? I think that might be a challenge for retailers. I don't know how many of them were banking that in um, the equation, but I'm sure some were. Um, yeah, I mean, two different things. For, for, first, on the consumer yeah. confidence number, there's there's a there's a big delta on an absolute level between where the conference board numbers are and where the Michigan numbers are. Yeah. Um, you know, survey data is getting tougher and tougher. Who answers their phone nowadays? Uh, you remember back in 2008, Phil Graham, the senator from Texas who was who was supporting McCain at the time, said, you know, we've turned into a nation of whiners. He had a Texas accent. That was my best version of it. Yeah. Uh, and and, and there's, there's an argument that the soft data, the survey type data, is weaker than the hard data. And what is that about? Why is it that, you know, with incredibly strong job growth and with real wage gains and with asset prices going higher, why is uh, confidence so poor? And the argument is, and it's not historically poor, but it's poor. It, it doesn't look like we're in a booming economy when you look at the confidence numbers. It's just that consumers really don't like inflation. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and we haven't, and you know we've been really fortunate on the gasoline side because gasoline is incredibly important to how consumers uh, have what consumers' inflation expectations are. But just from a very basic idea, the weakness in confidence overall seems to be driven, at least to some degree, by the fact that there is such consistent inflation, especially food away from home and things like that. On student loans, it's going to matter. It's going to be significant. Uh, you know, the cost of capital is rising for consumers. Your car loans are are, are more expensive. Obviously, your new mortgages uh, in servicing are, are, are far more expensive. Rents have outpaced wage growth now for a long time. That's difficult inflation. You add a few hundred bucks a month uh, to tens of millions of Americans, uh, that is going to be another weight. It is going to have a meaningful impact on um, on on uh, disposable cash. Mm -hmm. I guess I wasn't expecting uh, anything different out of the Supreme Court, but um, I mean, it certainly appears that some people were. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't I don't think expectations. Look, we we got a, we had a number of Supreme Court uh, decisions. Uh, there were some some variety in there. I think, you know, people uh, on the left were certainly delighted uh, that the in the idea of the independent state legislature uh, was was struck down. Uh, that probably is a good thing for presidential voting. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't think many people were terribly surprised at the decision around student debt. U.S. factory activities contracted for eight months. Uh, June numbers came out, so weakest levels in three years of production. Uh, and then we've seen the ISMs fall to 46, so, uh, you know, just continuing contraction. And, I mean, we've we've seen manufacturing contraction so great last month in Ireland and Germany. That put the Eurozone into a official recession. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of where factory activity seems to be right now. Yeah, global manufacturing is in a recession. Look at China. I mean, China is now uh, slowing so much with this anemic recovery uh, that there, the, there's real concerns around deflation uh, now in China. And 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 
it'll be interesting to see how the market, how the equity markets, you know, we talked a little bit about, or we didn't yet talk a little bit about liquidity, but when people look at different measures of liquidity, whether it's the Fed balance sheet or the Fed balance sheet minus the RRP, or is it the Fed balance sheet and the ECB and the PBOC? Well, the PBOC is a big balance sheet. So if the, the if China decides, look, we just, we're too weak here. We've got to put more behind this recovery, you know, and you see big spending uh, in China to support manufacturing and to support residential real estate, which only took a short break in its collapse. Um, you know, that, that could be end up being stimulative again uh, to equities and, and risk assets overall. But, you know, you look at freight, uh, as a proxy for manufacturing, and we are really in a deep recession. I mean, Knight, uh, Swift had to lower expectations again. Any way you look and measure freight, diesel demand, et cetera, we're in a recession there. What isn't in a recession is housing. Usually, you know, those leading indicators of the economy, uh, housing and manufacturing kind of go together. But this time you've got a manufacturing recession while you still have construction, uh, both in housing and as I talked about in manufacturing, that's incredibly strong. Yeah, the juxtaposition is pretty wild, right? So with activity, but then the manufacturing plant construction, um, you know, you have these three major legislative bills that passed and it's the most ambitious U.S. industrial policy in decades. So even if factories aren't making much, it seems like there's a lot of ground being broken right now. And that's you've seen that in Ohio and Texas. And um, there's huge, huge plant constructions. Yeah. And it's protectionism. I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. It yeah. is protectionism yeah. uh, and it is inflationary. I mean, look, I think from a I think we had to rebuild uh, from a national security standpoint, our ability to manufacture electronics, semiconductors, and everything that goes along with that. Uh, but it is inflationary, and it is going to further long-term tighten um, labor availability. And, you know, one of the things I said, you mentioned that piece I wrote about true contradictions. Americans don't like immigration, uh, legal immigration. But if we are going to run these mm -hmm. factories that we're now building, we're going to have to have a lot more legal immigration. Mm -hmm. Biden has done that. We'll see what happens post-24. A Republican president is not likely to support higher level of legal immigration, and that is going to create a lot of tightness uh, in manufacturing. Where are all these engineers going to come from that are going to run these new fab facilities? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um that seems even a like that's different from even a local level. I remember a few years, well, actually more than a few years ago, but Rick Snyder, who was governor of Michigan at one point, was actively, you know, soliciting migrants to help yeah. fill up Flint and, and Detroit and, you know, a bunch of plants that have since gone derelict. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got on my end. Tim, do you think we overlooked anything this week? You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with UPS. I keep expecting in a labor market this tight that you're going to see increased labor activity. You are seeing some signs of that. Uh, so I think this UPS strike is going to be interesting. We get the UAW, uh, I think, later in the year. Um, the uh, 
Starbucks got shot down for for shutting down, you know, stores that were unionizing. So I I, I think this UPS strike will be interesting to watch. Uh, Labor has pricing power. Labor has, you know, UPS can't outsource those workers to China. That ain't happening in manufacturing either. But in services, it obviously isn't happening. And, you know, uh, I think we're I think it's just an indication that we are going to continue to see more and more uh, of 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 corporate profits that have to be allocated to labor. And I think the, the UPS strike will be one sign of that. And then the other one, as I mentioned earlier, is the China weakness. Uh, does that chi- does this China weakness end up um, st- causing uh, the PBOC uh, and the officials in China to try to reflate uh, that economy and really uh, put much more spending behind it? Yeah, I, I mean, the Teamsters and UPS right now, the negotiations seem to be incredibly bad faith. So uh, yeah. we'll see, to say the least. So, yes, yeah. that's that's definitely something to look for. Uh, thanks, everybody, for um, all our likes and subscribers. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WellFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WellFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the contents. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.